My darling Neil is away at the moment. He has uh, been to Mumbai and is actually now in Nepal. And um, he preached at the Kathmandu Vineyard yesterday. They meet on a Saturday. And uh, you would be pleased to know that they, he preached um, to a congregation of 150. But their church building is... Um, it's like falling apart, apparently. It's like got a massive wall. There's no wall in one area because of the earthquake. And they gathered together and Neil preached. And it's just wonderful to know that, you know, not just vineyards across the world, but I mean, in, uh, in um, Kathmandu, they gather together to worship the Lord together. He's not only been in Nepal, but he's also been in Mumbai. Can we have a picture up? I don't know if you can see the picture some of you, he's with one of our, our new staff member, who's, um, his name's Charlie. Oh, I'm not quite sure if any of you are going to see that. Can I, this is um, downtown Mumbai. This is apparently the red light district. Can you see that? No, it's probably a bit light. But let's try another picture. Can you see this one? There's a picture of, and then let's try the next one. Yeah, can you see that? Can you sort of see Nils over here? And with a lovely necklace on. Um, and Charlie is your right, my left. He's the guy behind. Can you see him slightly? So his first day of work was an eight-hour plane journey with Neil, uh, which, I, which I'm sure was completely delightful. <laughs> He's actually today um, at the Leprosy Mission, which um, our staff... Uh, dad used to go to a lot and I know actually a lot of you in this room have links with Nepal and and it is an extraordinary place um I mean I have never been but Neil tells me it is an incredible place but it's thick with smog and they have elections on at the moment and so therefore the UN is there and it's got a heavy presence there. So they've actually been restricted a little more. But actually, I don't think the Lord has let the time be wasted. They've had an amazing, like, meetings of people in coffee shops. So there was a guy there. They were sitting having coffee. And there was a guy there who came and sat next to him. And turns out he, knew, he knows Brian Dirksen really well, who was here with us years ago and um, was there uh, ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit to people in Nepal I don't, parts of Nepal are being trafficked, the kids are being kidnapped, um, and there's a lot of outrageous things going on there, and tear fund are there, and um, there are many, Neil was connecting with many different people who were involved in that, the whole trafficking, apparently Nepal is like a doorway into Mumbai, the kids get nicked, taken, stolen, and um, put into trafficked situations in Mumbai, or in other parts of India, because it's just across the border. And of course, that is not on at all. So, I've had an interesting week, home alone. I have no, my sons are at university, they've just gone in September, and um, so me and Esther have been at home with Harriet, our dog. And I've worked on a, a sermon of Acts 1 to 20 to give you today, but then the Lord has had a different idea. For those of you, I, I spoke at the women's gathering and the Lord asked me to do that talk once more this morning. So the Lord knows what he's doing, so I'm going to give it.
But before I start, I just want to remind us all of how remarkable the scriptures are. The writer to the Hebrews says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God has the power to change our lives. The word of God has the power to change our minds. And the word of God has the power to break things from our lives like nothing else. The word of God is a weapon that we can get to wield is comfort and strength when we need it. The word of God is hope to the hopeless, truth in the darkness, and a light to our path. It is our yardstick and our plumb line, our gold standard, the place to which we go to seek out things of God. So before I go any further, why don't we pray? Father, we believe that your word is life to our body. We believe that there is power in your word to break off change and chains and to change our minds. We believe that in your word there is hope, that in your word is sustenance and nourishment for our soul. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that distractions would be removed. And that our hearts would be open to hear your word for us today. So calm, Holy Spirit, open the eyes and ears of our hearts that we might see you and hear your word. Bringing us hope and freedom and transformation into the image of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning I want to look at a passage That is a great reminder to every single one of us that no matter how old we are or how young, no matter where we've come from or where we've been, every single one of us has been called by God to fulfill his purposes in our lives and accomplishes his will on this earth. Because we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. And as Paul writes in Ephesians, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Every single one of us here is God's workmanship. This is designed to reflect his glory, created to demonstrate his goodness, made in his image to do the most remarkable things. Things that God has planned and prepared in advance for each one of us to do. Snake, can I just have some water? My mouth is sticking. I don't know whether it's cold up here, <laughs> but my lips are sticking together. I might be, thank you, darling. Every single one of us, no matter how educated or not, no matter how long, or how recently we've been saved. Every single one of us has the greatness and the glory of God within us. No matter how much we think we have failed, 
or how much we think that we have yet to learn and yet to do, there is greatness and glory inside us all because God created us that way. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do great and marvelous things. But so often, so many of us, while we can see the greatness and the glory in others, in those around us, don't believe it could ever be true of us. And so we spend our time scrolling through pictures on Instagram or on Facebook or in the pages of glossy magazines that remind us that we're not all that great. We read of other people's amazing adventures and successes and perfectness on Facebook. On, on Facebook. We see the perfect women and men with their perfect teeth smiling back at us from the pages of this month's latest magazines. And with all the noise that's going on, it can be so easy to forget that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for greatness. There's something about the culture of this age that seems so intent in telling us that we're not quite good. We're not quite up to the task. We're not good enough. We're too this or too that or not enough of that or not enough of this. And so many, so many of us have fallen foul of believing those lies about ourselves. Instead of believing the truth about who we really are. That we read about here in the word of God. And we in this season, in this time, we need to dig deep into the book, this book. We need to be rooting and grounding ourselves and our identities, not through social media or some magazines, but in who we are in Christ Jesus. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to reflect and shine his glory, his goodness, and his greatness. Jesus says in Matthew 5.14 in the message, it says, you, You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on the hill, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. You're here to be a light. It's time to rise and shine. Just take a minute to look around you this morning. And look at the potential in this room. If we put our minds and hearts to it, this room could change the world. This room could change this nation. This room could change this city. This room could change the lives of men, women and children in London, across the UK, in Mumbai, in Nepal, in the Kibera slums in Kenya, in the sex shops in Myanmar. There's enough ability and gifting and potential right here in this room to bring about some serious change, bringing out the God colors in the world.
But in the same way that a lamp has the potential to shine bright and bringing light to the darkness, it's only when a lamp's potential is connected with its purpose that it actually lights up the room. A light with all the potential in the world won't cast the tiniest bit of light until it recognizes its purpose and is switched on. Until it's switched on, it's just an object full of light, giving potential, but all of it unrealized. But switched on, and it's a whole different ballgame. The light gets switched on, and the darkness disappears. And so, yes, we all have potential. Yes, we do. But some of us, maybe, but some of us right now need to find our purpose. And I just want to take a look at a story from the Bible of how a young man full of the potential in the world found his purpose and changed the world. So if you've got a Bible, I'm not going to have a PowerPoint, so you do need to find it. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 17. And this story is of a young boy whose own family didn't even see the potential in him. Which is why they said to him, we think, we think, all of, we think all you're probably cut out for is looking after the sheep. And because he was probably annoying everyone around the house with his constant guitar strumming, they packed him off to the hills to annoy the sheep instead. And so they sent this ruddy-faced young teenager into the hills and basically said, just watch the sheep and try and keep out of trouble. And so off he went. On his own, this young teenage boy, pretty much abandoned by his family, and sent out to live with the sheep. But do you know what? Every single day, that young David sat watching sheep, bashing out tunes on his guitar, and the potential of becoming a king was already in him. Listen. The potential of becoming a king was already in him. It was already there. The only problem was that his environment didn't reveal any of the greatness that lay within. He had to leave the sheep behind to discover that. And the same is true of each one of us. We all have this greatness and potential within us. But first we're going to have to leave the sheep to find it for ourselves. We have to leave those places that have become comfortable, those places that have become familiar, those places where we feel safe and snug. We have to come down the hill and take a journey. And it's that journey that's going to get us closer and closer to a moment when all the potential that's already in us is going to suddenly connect with our purpose and shine. And so one day, it was time for David's potential to go for a walk towards its purpose. And the way that God often sets us, sets us off on these journeys is through these very ordinary parts of our lives that we don't think are significant enough. For anyone, including ourselves, to pay attention to, because potential often doesn't become purpose in one great moment. It's very often realized through lots and lots of small decisions. 
We're all looking for the great reveal, that great moment when when what's in us, our potential, comes face to face with who we're made to be, our purpose. But the decision that was going to begin the encounter with David started when he said yes, and he agreed to take some bread and cheese to his brothers. This is just a bit of an aside, but an important one. You know, we need to be really careful about what we say no to. It may well be that God's tried to send lots of us on similar journeys to connect our potential with our purpose, but we've said, I don't do bread and cheese. And God's like, that's a shame, because the bread and the cheese was going to lead you to to a giant, and you were going to slay him, and then everyone was going to see what I've already seen in you. But as you don't do bread and cheese, maybe we'll have to do it, wait a bit longer. So let's be careful what we say no to. Let's be careful what we turn down. Often what gets us to these moments when our, where our potential and our purpose connect is doing the small things right. Putting out chairs, serving coffee, staying behind and clearing up. And we're like, God, have you got, God, have you, how come you never give me any opportunities? And God says, Do you want me to go back and show you all the opportunities I've given you to show your greatness? Remember that time you asked to step step in and serve in with your kids? Remember that time you had that opportunity just to show up on time? What about the time you could have stayed behind at house group, helped clear up or wash up rather than just chatting away? We all get more than enough opportunities. It's just that sometimes... They're just not the sort of opportunities we expected. But what does David do in verse 17? David says, sure, I'll make sandwiches even though I don't like them that much. And so here he begins his journey of awakening potential and realizing his purpose. And this is where it starts to get tricky. Because no sooner has David set out on his journey, little benotes to him, of discovering his purpose, that the voices of opposition start to speak. Those insecurities and doubts that creep in and try to get us to turn around and head back for the hills. And as you see from the scriptures, David has to deal with each one of these distractions. And far too often they are the exact same voices that we too will have to overcome. Have a look at 1 Samuel 17. And so David leaves the sheep and he comes down to where all his family are and all the men are in fear of this giant Goliath who's shouting profanities against the Lord. And David goes down and starts asking, what's going on? Remember, he's been stuck up on the hilltop with the sheep and so hasn't got a clue of what's happening. And as he's having a conversation, the the first voice speaks against him. And this first obstacle has to be overcome. And it is the voice of limitation. And what's really interesting is that so often the voice of limitation comes from the lips of the people who we know, who we've known the longest or to whom you've been the closest. And so David comes down the hill and he's here, he's having a conversation, just innocently inquiring as to what's going on. And his eldest brother hears him. Verse 28, 
When Eliab, David elder, uh, when Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard him speaking with men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom do you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Okay, that's not very nice. Just look at the language. Why did you come down here? Don't you know you're only good for a few sheep? Why are you down here? Where were where we are? Don't you know you belong over there? Get back to where you belong. Don't you just love big brothers? The voice of limitation, which somehow takes whatever and wherever you are now and takes you right back to where somewhere you were maybe years ago. And sadly, our very own families can be masters in speaking limitation to us because it's the voice of limitation that will remind us of our past mistakes. It's a voice of limitation that will tell us exactly why we couldn't possibly do this or that. We need to listen out for the voice of limitation in our lives because it can kill our joy and destroy our courage and suffocate our ability to dream. In that moment, David's very own brother came to him and said, Why have you come down here? Who do you think you are? Go back to where you belong. For some of us, and we may be just starting out on a journey of the hillside from looking after the sheep, and some of us can hear that voice of limitation ringing in our ears. And even though it may come from someone close to you, or someone that you've looked up to, up to or even a close friend, sometimes you have to step away from the voice of limitation so that you, we can hear what God is trying to say to us what God is trying to talk to us about. So if you can hear the voice of limitation whispering in your ear as you embark on this journey to step into the fullness of your purpose, we have to do what David did. And I love what David did. Have a look at verse 29. Now what have I done, said David, Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. We can't win an argument with the voice of limitation. So save your strength. We're going to need it anyway for the giant you're about to face. But right now, don't waste your energy arguing about something that's not moving you closer to your purpose but is instead pushing you away further and further back up the hill and back to the sheep and from where it is God would have you go. And do you see how David didn't fight? He didn't argue. He didn't demean himself. He simply turned around and making it past the voice of limitation, stayed on track to discovering his true purpose. But once you've got past the voice of limitation, The next voice, often hot on its heels, is the voice of manipulation. And this voice came from someone called Saul. Have a look in the the word. Now Saul sees the young David. And he sees his potential. And Saul can also see that the people are afraid of the threatening, the threat coming from Goliath. And he sees the courage that's in this young boy. And on the one hand, he's really intrigued. But on the other hand, he's a bit concerned. 
For the first time, Saul begins to show something of his controlling nature. Because Saul says to David, okay, you want to do this? And this is how you're going to do it. Even down to what David needs to wear. And so Saul calls for his armor. And he calls for his sword. And he tells David exactly how he needs to fight the giant. And how exactly he should come at the problem. But manipulation will ask us to wear the clothes that don't fit. And will ask us to behave in a way that doesn't suit. And we need to be careful of those who want to control the way that God has called us to shine. And some of that can take a while as we learn to discern the difference between counsel and control. But where we see it, and it often comes in the guise of someone older or wiser or more experienced than us, like Saul, but when he senses it, like David, we should remain gracious and keep our shape. Even if we feel we're being manipulated or being directed out of some kind of control, we, need, we still need to find a way to respect and honor the wisdom of those who have gone before We just don't need to allow ourselves to be manipulated or formed by them. And so David was humble enough to try the armor, verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. You could just imagine the poor guy. He couldn't even walk, let alone pick up the sword. And it was obvious to everyone that this just wasn't a good fit. And so he says to Saul, I cannot go in these because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. When we're trying to step into who it is that God has called us to be, it is so important that we just keep being ourselves. So often we try to become like someone else. We try to minister like someone else. We try to do things the way they did them. And not only do we tend not to do it very well, but the very thing that God has intended to bring to the fore through our personality and our gifts and our talents get lost as we struggle under the weight of Saul's armor. Instead of taking on someone else's mantle, Instead of putting on someone else's armor, we have to find and use our own five stones, our own sling, to kill the giants we're going to face. It's time to take off some of the armor that God never asked us to wear. It wasn't made for us. It doesn't even fit us. It's not ours to carry. God will have designed Something for each one of us that is tailor-made 
for who he has created us to be. For Saul, it was this great armor. For David, it was five smooth stones and a simple sling. What's God got for you to wear? Yes, David tries it on, but he's also brave enough to take it off. Limitation, manipulation, and finally the third voice. And this third voice is the one that's louder and more daunting and more terrifying than the other two put together. It's the voice of intimidation. And for David, this voice comes from the mouth of a very large Goliath, the giant. And the voice boomed over him and threatened him and taunted him and reminded him that he was just a boy. That this is the voice that spoke down to him. And as David looked up to where this voice of intimidation was coming from, he could see that he was no match in height and muscle and stature. And in those minutes, it's so easy for us to say, I should just right now head back to the hill. (laughs) What was I thinking? I'm not a match for this. And for some of us, the voice of intimidation comes from our past mistakes. For some of us, it's failure. For some of us, it's a person who intimidated us or bullied us or belittled us our whole lives. Whatever it is, it will find a way to try to get to us when we get close to realizing who it is God has created us to be. And as so, as David gets closer to Goliath, the Lord is here. The taunts start to come. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I give you your flesh to the birds and wild animals. And to make matters worse, everyone is watching And the seeming smallness of this boy shepherd against the giant that is Goliath. And there this moment of total complete exposure as Goliath taunts the young David with, Who do you think you are? You think you can beat me? But in a moment we must do what David did. We must stand up to the voice of intimidation. Let's look at verse 45. And David said to the Philistine, You come against me? With sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you. In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. 
This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into his hands. And what happens in that moment is that David steps into his true purpose. The potential has always been there, but now he knows the truth, who he is and what he's for. And so, as he thanks Goliath for reminding him of his meekness, of his smallness, of his weakness, he stands on the solid ground of his faith in God. Verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the poor of the lion And the poor of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And so David stood before Goliath, not as a mere boy. He stood in the name of the Lord. And as he took out his simple sling of obedience and his smooth stones of purpose and shot them towards the voice of intimidation, guided by the hand of God, what seemed impossible became possible. And that Philistine was defeated. And in that very moment, all that potential that had always been within him Suddenly shone bright. I'm very passionate when I speak. Because I believe this stuff. And lit up the hillside for all around to see. And in that very moment, I don't know if I said this passage, all potential that had always been within him, suddenly shone bright and lit up the hillside for all around to see. And from that day onwards, David was no longer a useless teenager, only good for tending sheep. From that day on, this young man, this soon-to-be king, began to shine. What is it that is stopping us from shining? Are we paralyzed by the voices of loved ones who try to limit us? Are we being held back by those who have gone before us as they manipulate us? Not always intentionally. Or are we terrified of our Goliaths as they have intimidated us? All of these things will try and stop us from realizing the full extent of our full potential. As we step into the fullness of our purpose, all of these things conspire against us to try and stop us from shining. All I can say is good luck to them. I just want to end again where we began in Matthew 5. You're here to be a light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret 
to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting your light stand. I'm putting you on a light stand. Now I put put you on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. It is time for us all to shine. I just want to share the re- one of the reasons I'm passionate about this because there's Neil in um, Mumbai and Nepal and and about to go to Myanmar, and he's seeing such devastation: women being trafficked, children being trafficked, but also. Amongst the devastation, amongst other people. The picture that I showed you at the beginning, I wonder if we could bring that up again, the picture at the very beginning. There's a group of people where Charlie and Nella, these, these lovely, lovely Christian people in Mumbai, they serve the traffic women by looking after their children who would usually be under the beds while they were doing business. But they... They serve. And Neil and uh, Charlie went to minister. But these, they serve the light and the darkness. In Nepal, kids are being trafficked, like I mentioned. Kids are being kidnapped. I mean, <laughs> crazy. Kidnapped just as they walk to school. And people are making sure, creating buses, which is becoming different, difficult with the... Um, earthquakes but the people are walking with the kids to make sure they don't get traffic there is light in the darkness neil's about to go to Myanmar tomorrow to go to bangkok for a night and then go to Myanmar. and you know where Myanmar is and it's all in the all in the news at the moment and uh and he's going to be they have a ministry to traffic women there and kids and you know and it goes on but they are church you know there's a lot of Great things go on in there. But the Lord is shining in the darkness. The Lord is doing his thing. Of course, there'll be places of intimidation there. In London, on our own streets, there are traffic women. I'm not suggesting that we all go out and sort it out, but our calling is all different. What I'm suggesting saying that I'm passionate. I feel called to intercede, to pray for these countries, for, these, for our world, for what we stand for, for what we believe in, of who we are. We can make a difference, whether it's in prayer or smiling at the person nearest to us, whether it's giving a word, whether it's giving a prophetic word, whether it's giving an encouragement, whether it's just worshiping the Lord and inceding on behalf of people who are, who are doing other things in all these countries in London, whether it's serving, we can make a difference. Prayer makes a difference. What we do makes a difference. How we stand, how we rise, what we do, our thoughts from afar. The Lord knows it all. He called you all by name. It could be making an album that has 
potential to change lives. It could be writing poetry or books. The Lord calls you. He won't call you into something that you're not called to do. Your heavenly father adores you. He calls you by name. He says, seek me first. Seek me first. So all I'm saying, let's seek the Lord together. Let's come down the mountain and see what the Lord has for us all to do in our lives. Which one of those voices is the loudest for you right now? Which one is getting in your way? Some of you, it's the voice of limitation. We need to stop arguing with something that you're never going to win. Turn around and keep going. For some of you, it's manipulation. And we just need to take off the armor that's weighing us down and pick up the slings and the stone. For some of us, it's intimidation. We just need to stand our ground in the knowledge of who it is God has created us created us to be so why don't you stand and we'll minister